Hello and welcome in to a new edition, a regular season edition of the Rocky Mountain Hits Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, where we cover all Colorado sports in depth and constantly. So for any anything to do with Colorado sports, Avalanche, Rockies, Nuggets, Broncos, Outlaws, anything you can think of, it is covered on MileHighSports.com. So today we are going to get into the Denver Nuggets' first game of the regular season, a 108-100 win on the road against the Portland Trail Blazers, the same team that knocked them out of the Western Conference semifinals last year in the seventh game of the, of the series on Denver's home floor. This was a weird game, man. Like, every little bit of this game made very little sense to me. It was one of those ones where you start looking around and you're like, Nikola Jokic did not play the first half. He barely even looked like he played in the third quarter, was completely and utterly dominant in the fourth quarter. Will Barton started. There was a ton of foul trouble. There was also a lot of mental mistakes. There was more threes made than twos made for the Nuggets. There were They were very good defensively, but very disjointed offensively. Mason Plumlee was maybe the third best player. Denver had a ridiculous fourth quarter. It was just all over the place, and that's without talking about the fact that Damian Lillard essentially eviscerated the entire city of Portland with that just ridiculous dunk he put down in the first quarter that was like a shock wave that came off of the ground after he put that dunk down so this game had a lot going in on it I'm gonna try and just stick to the Nuggets portion of this I could talk pretty extensively about how the Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers match up but I have a strong suspicion we'll be talking more about that as we get uh, further and further into the season so I'm gonna try and focus on the Nuggets it was the first game of the season so there was a lot to take away so like I said we'll talk about Will Barton because he I thought he played extremely well as a starter tonight. Um, I will talk about Nikola Jokic's foul trouble, but his great finish. We'll talk about Denver's just completely an, ins- an absurd depth that they have on their team. We'll talk about the struggles of their starting backcourt because I thought Jamal Murray and Gary Harris did not have a good night. We'll talk about the mental mistakes that were made. We'll talk about Denver hitting more threes than twos. We'll talk about them being more locked in on defense. We'll talk about them being so great in that fourth quarter, and then we'll take some questions from listeners as always to hopefully provide a little bit better of a picture as to what happened from a fan perspective um so yeah it's gonna be a lot going on in this show where i'm gonna try and dive into all of it and really break it down as much as i can but before we go any further i need to give some love to axios because in my opinion There is no company that is more well-rounded in terms of commentary for sports, for politics, for pop culture, whatever may be happening than Axios is, and that's why I'm subscribed to their newsletter. It's why I go to them for all kinds of political commentary. So Axios is absolutely one of my favorite services, and you'll hear more about them when I take my first break here in a few minutes. But before I do that, there's one more name that I need to give a shout-out to, and that is the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. They're the ones that made the beats on the transitions from the reads. They're the ones who make me sound much less crappy. So make sure to go reach out to at Regulators Regime on Instagram or at Rod Simba. That's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A for any of your audio production needs. The The Regulators Production Group are awesome at what they do, and I would not be able to do this without them. So we're going to take our first break. I'll come back. and I'm just going to dive into basically my notebook of what I found notable from the Nuggets' very first win of the 2019-20 season now that 82-0 is now on the table, believe it or not. So we're going to get into all of that, but let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a second. 
Building a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything else in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even happens. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. dive into what happened in this game because this might take a second but there's a lot that went through it but I really want to start with Will Barton because as everybody who's ever been on Twitter and is involved in the Nuggets Twitter knows that Will Barton has been a scapegoat for quite a few people who get frustrated with the Nuggets team as a whole and yes Will Barton may not be the exact type of player the Nuggets are looking for he may not be the best possible fit in the NBA alongside this starting unit but I think all of that is not a good argument Will Barton does so many things for this starting unit that allows other players to have more room to breathe and more comfort than they originally would have. Without Will Barton, Jamal Murray has to do a whole lot more of ball handling duties. Without Will Barton, Nikola Jokic has to be the guy at the end of shot clocks to get shots off. Without Will Barton, Gary Harris is not able to play so much off ball and things like that. He really opens up and takes pressure off of quite a few other players. So, I thought that him starting was actually the right decision considering where everything is at. I would like to see more Juancho Hernan Gomez and Michael Porter Jr. as everybody would, but there's just not enough room. No one wants to play 10 men in their rotation, and Michael Malone is not going to do that. And honestly, he was repaid with his decisions handsomely tonight. Uh, we'll talk about Torrey Craig in a second, but Torrey Craig was great as a small forward off the bench, and Will Barton was, was arguably the second best player on the floor for the Nuggets as the starting small forward. He ended up finishing the game with 19 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block in 31 minutes. He had 19 points on 8 shots because he hit 11 of his 12 free throws. He really, the way that I felt watching Will Barton in this game was he put the exclamation point on the fact that he had earned this starting small forward role. I had tweeted before the game that yes, Will Barton is starting game 1, but Michael Malone has spoken about the fact that the, that the person who starts game 1 at the starting small forward position does does not mean that it will be the same person when the playoffs come around. So Will Barton is still in prove-it mode, and this was a big step forward into reminding everybody that he still has that vintage thrill within him, and it's getting closer and closer to bubbling to the surface every single time he steps on the floor. 
The other thing is that Will Barton was the player who helped carry the Nuggets home. Yes, it was absolutely Nikola Jokic is the reason the Nuggets won this game in the fourth quarter. But without Will Barton's three, uh, free throw shooting, without his ability to impact the game in multiple different ways, the Nuggets would not have had the same boost that they had. And now, because of that, the Nuggets are now on pace to win 82 games. So, so Will Barton was everything that he needed to be in this game. And when he spoke to media, particularly Mike Singer is the one who I read from the Denver Post, he said... Like, like, this is what I wanted to do. This is the role I wanted to fill. These are the things that I wanted to accomplish. He wanted to play team basketball, wanted to go out there and help his group of guys win a road division game without, you know, with less than ideal circumstances and get himself back into a rhythm. And he really accomplished all of those things. I don't know how you can look at what Will Barton was able to do in this game and you're not happy about it. He did everything right. I know there's already people who are going to be like, you shot under 50% from the field. He was three of eight. The man hit... Two of his three threes had five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block to impact the game beyond just scoring and was the most clutch free throw shooter and got to the line over and over again for this Nuggets team. The Nuggets don't win this game without Will Barton, and this was a reminder of what he is able to do on a basketball court. So I think this was a very um, promising emergence from Will Barton into who he used to be because we haven't really seen Will Barton have this kind of rhythm yet. So it's great to see him be that player, be the second best player on the floor when Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are struggling to allow the Nuggets to elevate their game in a way that they really weren't able to because Nikola Jokic was out of the game, Jamal Murray was struggling, Gary Harris was Gary Harris was struggling and Will, and Will Barton really took it upon himself, really Will Barton and Mason Plumley to get the Nuggets back on track and help them get this gigantic win, which I know it seems weird. I'll talk about about it later on in the show, but this was a gigantic win despite the fact that it was just the very first game of the season. Let's move on to Nikola Jokic because this was just like the quintessential Nikola Jokic game. It was absolutely hysterical watching this and and seeing it play out in real time because Jokic comes into the game, gets three fouls within four minutes, and is immediately benched for the second half. And you're just thinking to yourself, how is this the start? And it wasn't just that. Nikola Jokic did not look engaged. He did not look like he was very involved in just what was happening on the floor. He had zero points and three rebounds, had two turnovers and three fouls in four minutes. It was a disastrous start for Nikola Jokic. Then... Comes back in the second half, starts to look like Nikola Jokic again. Still not fully involved, still not lots of energy, stuff like that, whatever. But, you know, gets, I think it was like six points in the third quarter or something like that. As or no, he five points in the third quarter as he worked his way back into position. Then... The fourth quarter arrives, and Nikola Jokic, I swear, there are very few players in the NBA who have the ability to go from completely non-functional, flip a switch, and become the most dominant player on the floor instantaneously, but Nikola Jokic can do that. When I'm trying to think of players who can do that, who can do that you think of LeBron James, you think of Stephen Curry, you think of Kevin Durant, you think of Klay Thompson in a smaller sense, but there is a very small list, a handful of players at the NBA level who can just decide they're going to end the game, who will just decide that they are going to just meticulously destroy the opponent in front of them when they feel like it and not need to when they don't feel like it. It is such a unique thing and it's not a good thing. Nikola Jokic needs to learn to be able to be a consistent contributor, not a guy who flips the switch when there's 10 minutes left in the game. But the fact that he can do this is a notable part of this development that is the first game of the regular season. Nikola Jokic just seriously, he just decided this game was over. In the fourth quarter, he went out there, he had 15 points, 
eight rebounds and two assists in the fourth quarter alone. And the Nuggets ended up winning that fourth quarter 35-26. to He was just doing whatever he wanted. I was just laughing at the TV at this point. He was hit. He hit three of his. Uh, he hit three of the, of the Nuggets like six threes in the fourth quarter by himself. He was grabbing all the rebounds, trying to throw full court outlet passes. He had just turned into first team All NBA Nikola Jokic, literally on the flip of a light switch, seemingly, and it was just absolutely hysterical. So Nikola Jokic did not play more than four minutes in the first half because of his foul trouble. Looked completely out of shape in the third quarter and not engaged, and then literally obliterated everybody in his path for the last 12 minutes of the game and ended up with 20 points, 13 rebounds, and 2 assists. A quintessential Nikola Jokic performance, and I was honestly just giggling to myself watching this game. We have to talk about the bench now, because this Nuggets bench unit has been talking about how deep they are all preseason and all offseason. Don't get me wrong, we were all expecting this to watch it play out in a regular season game with an actual rotation was an entirely different experience than it was to watch it in the in the preseason. The Nuggets had just waves and waves and waves of freakishly talented individuals attacking the Portland Trailblazers at every single moment of this game. Nikola Jokic gets foul trouble. Here's Mason Plumley, who will give you five assists in ten minutes. Oh, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris struggling? Here all of a sudden is Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley hitting threes and combining themselves for 16 points off the bench. Oh, Jamal Murray is not able to keep the offense functional without Nikola Jokic. Here's Monte Morris with six points, three assists, one rebound in 14 minutes. The Nuggets just have so many players who can stem the tide for them when they need it. And this is without talking about Jeremy Grant. This is without talking about Wancho Hernan Gomez. This is without talking about Mike. Michael Porter Jr. The, the, those players didn't even do a whole lot in this game. I mean, obviously, Michael Porter Jr. and Wancho did not play, and the bench unit still got a good amount of minutes together, but Monte only played 14 minutes. Tori Craig only played 16. Malik only played 13, and yet still, that bench unit was just absolutely lethal against other opposing bench units. And... I mean, the, okay, let's put it this way. The bench unit had 36 points on 13 of 22 shooting and 6 of 9 from 3. They only had 5 turnovers total. I had to go look at Eastern Conference teams because I am convinced that if you started Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley, that you could make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. That starting 5 is Arguably better than Detroit starting five, depending on Blake Griffin. It's it's better than Indiana without Victor Oladipo. Maybe it's on the same par as them. They're better than Orlando, and they're better than Chicago. They're better than Washington. They're better than all of these teams. I, I They might be a seventh or eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, realistically, if the Nuggets were in the Eastern Conference and started that bench unit. That's how good they are. It is absurd to see just how talented this group is when they're on the court together. Again, Nuggets don't have Nikola Jokic after just four minutes of play because of the foul trouble. Mason Plumley comes in and has five assists in ten minutes. Jeremy Grant comes in for Paul Millsap, who was really trying to carry quite a bit of the load for the starting unit. And he has nine points, two rebounds, one assist, three of four shooting. Also hit a three himself, got to the free throw line, only had one turnover, was a plus eight. You have guys like Torrey Craig, who was probably the best bench player for the Nuggets. Ten points, six rebounds, two assists, one steal. 
steal, one block, four of six from the field, hit two of his three threes, only had one turnover. Monte Morris, again, as steady as it gets as a player for this Nuggets bench unit. And Malik Beasley only played 13 minutes, but hit two of his four threes. It was really able to impact the game and help flip the script and change the momentum of the game when he came in. I don't know what teams are going to do to slow down Denver's bench unit. I honestly don't know what you can do. Uh, maybe the Clippers have a better bench unit in the NBA just because they're basically playing two starters in their bench unit because Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell should be playing on that team. But beyond those, beyond the Clippers, the Nuggets have the best bench unit in the NBA. I am completely willing to say it in that sense now because my God. God, you are playing a starting unit for tw- for 14 minutes a game off the bench at that point, and that is going to make it extremely difficult for opposing teams to be able to get the best of the Nuggets, and we really saw that in full effect in this game. Denver's starting backcourt, though, really struggled, in my opinion. Uh, Jamal Murray at 14 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, which sounds nice, but 4 of 14 from the field, had a couple turnovers, really did not look good. Um, he had a nice fourth quarter. He really, uh, I think he had eight points in the fourth quarter alone. So that was really the big boost. He had six points prior to that and was not looking good. He was taking extremely difficult fadeaway long twos. He was not able to set up his teammates too well. He had a couple very, very good looking plays, a very, uh, a couple nice flashes. But again, what has Michael Malone been hammering ever since the playoffs last year? Jamal Murray has to be consistent. Jamal Murray going 4 of 14 from the field, being a disaster in the first half, and, and then, you know, he had six assists and then and then only had two turnovers, which isn't bad. But again, it's not enough. The Nuggets need him to be a near-maximum contract caliber player on the floor. And he has not shown that he has been able to do that yet. Uh, Gary Harris, though, I mean, if we're going to continue talking about how bad this backcourt was, Gary Harris at eight points, three rebounds, zero assists, two steals, shot three of 11 from the field, and had like five turnovers in this game. Combined, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris were 7 of 25 from the field, 4 of 11 from 3. They had 7 turnovers against 6 assists. That just can't happen. The the Nuggets are not going to win games with that formula. The fact that they were able to beat the Portland Trailblazers, despite the fact that Nikola Jokic played one half of basketball, despite the fact that Jamal Murray and Gary Harris shot a combined 7 of 25 from the field, and the fact that Denver had so many mental mistakes, is actually pretty impressive, but it shows just how much better this Nuggets team can really be. So let's talk about those mental mistakes real quick. That's really the next thing that I wanted to get into as it pertains to this Nuggets game. And... Really, there were there were. I, I don't want to hammer each one. I just want to point out that the Nuggets definitely had way too many mental mistakes as a way to show how much the Nuggets can grow as a team still from this performance. Nineteen turnovers is very bad. They had a lot of unnecessary foul calls. There were some serious defensive miscues in this game, and Denver just really needs to fine tune everything across the board: the way guys cut, how hard guys cut, where they relocate, how they deal with the pick and roll defense that they use where they hedge up to the level of the of the play and really kind of have to recover on the back end. Overall, Denver's defense was very good in this game. I don't want to say Denver's defense was bad, but there were blatant mental miscues that could have been avoided if they just made sure that they were more fine-tuned. This will all get better as the season continues to go along. No team comes out for the first regular season game of the year on the road against a division opponent, the same team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year, and play just a flawless game of basketball. There was always going to be some jitters, always going to be some excitement. So 
from my perspective, this was expected, but it needs to be addressed also. Denver also, by the way, this is a completely random thing that I don't really have a whole lot to speak on, but Denver hit more threes in this game than they hit twos. Denver ended up being 18 of 32 from the field, and they only had 16 made shots outside of their 18 made threes. Um, I think what this tells me is the Nuggets need to find a way to have a much better game inside the three-point line when Nikola Jokic is not on the floor. Uh, Jamal Murray took some incredibly difficult driving fadeaway jumpers in this game, and a lot of other players did too. Gary Harris got blocked a couple times at the rim, was not able to finish well at the rim, and that really hurt the Nuggets. They didn't want to take too many mid range shots, but instead they took a lot of bad shots at the rim that were highly contested. So I think that the Nuggets need to find a way to fix that, but it was great to see the dedication to the three-point line that they had in this game because the Nuggets can be great from the three-point line if they really focus in and find the right shots from that part of the floor. Um, like I said earlier, the Nuggets were still very good on defense. They had some very clear miscues and defensive lapses, but overall, when you take all 48 minutes into account, the Nuggets were very good. They held they held Portland to 100 points in this game. They only shot 41.4% from the field, and they were 7 of 28 from three, which is good for 25%. Denver forced 20 turnovers, and they were really able to impact the game physically, and you saw the difference in having multiple different versatile defenders on the floor to be able to impact the game. Having Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, uh, Paul Millsap, Torrey Craig, and all these guys really able to impact the game defensively was a very helpful part for this Nuggets team. Moving on, I'm going to fly through these last couple two. I'm going to fly through this last, uh, this second to last little piece, and then I want to talk more about the Nuggets, how they played like complete shit and still managed to get a very important win. But Denver's fourth quarter, they got, they won the quarter 35 to 26, if I remember. Yeah, 35 to 26. Nikola Jokic had 15 points, eight rebounds, and two assists. Uh, Jamal Murray had eight points in the fourth quarter. D- Great teams win when winning time is here. They were in the fourth quarter on the road against a division opponent, and they needed to find a way to dig deep and get a win, and they absolutely did that behind their best player who did not play the first half at all in Nikola Jokic, and that's really all you can ask for. So what a fourth quarter from Denver. The last thing from this game that I want to touch on before I take a break and come back to answer some questions from fans is... The Nuggets really did play like shit. They did this was this was not a good game from the Nuggets. It was sloppy, it was ugly, they were not locked in and still despite those facts, the Nuggets found a way to not only get a division win, which is extremely important, not just for seeding, but in terms of being, in terms of tiebreakers and things like that, they also got a road win, which is not expected, and they got a road win in which everything went wrong for them, and they still managed to escape with it. This is a win they shouldn't have gotten against a against a division rival on the road. For a game that will have implications as it pertains to tiebreakers and seeding. That is an extremely important win. These are the kind of wins that you'll look back on when the Nuggets in Portland have the uh, virtually same record. And then they and the Nuggets get the benefit of the doubt for better seeding because of wins like this. So don't take these first games of the season for granted. Don't take these division matchups for granted. Don't take these unorthodox wins on the road for granted. They are extremely important and the Nuggets were able to get one in Portland for the first game of the season. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to let, give you a quick ad read, and we're going to come back and answer some questions from listeners. Indochino was founded on the belief that you do 
do not need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. When you look good, you feel good. When you dress good, you do good. And that's always how I have felt, which is why I use Indochino, the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is they're affordable as well. Almost everything in their custom clothing line is under $400. The process is simple. Just choose your fabric. Pick your customiz- customizations and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is entirely free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse to wear clothes that do not fit. Questions from listeners of the show and Denver Nuggets fans alike. I pick looks like seven questions. I don't know. I just honestly point and grab a bunch of questions and try and answer them without too much research. So hopefully I don't sound like a complete idiot like I usually do, but we're going to give it a good effort. So Josh Steele, which is a I'm going to start giving some people shouts because everybody on this has been a constant, um, I guess, a constant face in the Nuggets Twitter world and someone and people who have always supported this podcast. So shouts to Josh Steele, shouts to Chandler Jenkins, shouts to Doris Burke as the GOAT, shouts to Ann Wynn who used to write for BS in Denver and put clips up all of the time. Ann goes as far back as it goes nowadays. So shouts to Ann, shouts to Jeff Cummings, and then shouts to Jaren F24 for getting your first questions in today. I appreciate you guys so much for taking time to send in these questions and allow me to be a part of your discussion about the Denver Nuggets because some people love this team and the fact that you allow me into your headphones or on off your speakers or whatever it may be to continue this conversation, it means the world to me and it's a really cool thing to see. So, let's kick it off. Josh Steele, is Jamal Murray ever not hurt? I swear I threw my pen at the wall when I saw that Jamal Murray was dealing with some kind of right hand issue in this game. I have no idea what it is. There has been no information that has come out. I am not on the road, so I have not been able to look into to it but at this point Jamal Murray has some kind of ding on his body at all times and it's gotten to the point now to where media literally jokes that when Jamal Murray rolls an ankle he becomes super saiyan and starts to just annihilate everybody in front of him he honestly kind of plays better um, but I don't know what it is I had spoken about this quite a bit in the offseason that Jamal Murray has to find a way to avoid these small little injuries and the fact that he is already dealing with one after the very 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 first game of the regular regular season is not good, but we'll see. It could be a very minor thing that does not come back and just go away, but it was frustrating to see that happen immediately in that way. Chandler Jenkins asks, do we need to see more Grant Jokic minutes? Yes, 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 yes. I don't know how this hasn't happened more often. They only played three minutes in game one, and they only played, I believe, a six-minute spurt in the preseason total together. So we're looking at less than 10 minutes that Nikola Jokic and Jeremy Grant have played actual organized basketball together. 
In the three minutes against the Portland Trailblazers, the Nuggets had a plus 73.2 net rating. Shouts to small sample size stats. Um, but also, they had 10 points in three minutes, were 3 of 5 from the field, 3 of 4 from three-point range, had three assists on their three made baskets, and went on a 10-4 to run in those three minutes. So I look at that, and I just want more of it. I want to see more of it. And it probably will happen as time continually comes along. I have a feeling Malone really wanted to let his starters get a good grip of time together, which did not work at all, by the way, but it looked like that was the plan. But that's really how I feel. They need to find a way to get more um, Jeremy Grant and Nicole Jokic minutes. Doris Burke, the goat ass. How do you think Jamal Murray played? I spoke about this when I was when I was talking about the struggles of the backcourt earlier, but Jamal Murray has to find a way to be more consistent and has to find a way to fix his shot selection. Those are really the two things that are absolutely killing them. The Nuggets have enough defenders now. Jamal Murray tries hard enough that they can still be a solid defense, despite the fact that Jamal Murray can be a C from time to time. But when he's taking these fading tough mid-range twos, when he's not able to create for his teammates in an advantageous situation... When he's only scoring, when he's scoring eight of his 14 points in a five minute burst and is not giving you anything in the rest of the game, that's all a lack of consistency. It's a lack of understanding of what his role should be. I thought Jamal Murray was bad in this game. Yes, when you look at his stat line, it was 14, 6, and 5, or whatever it was. That sounds nice, but I do not see it as a positive for this Denver Nuggets team right now. I am getting worried about Jamal Murray, and I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic about how he's not the player we thought he is and all of those things, but he's not where he needs to be. Matt, it's just a factual statement. He is not where he needs to be yet. And I'll talk about Jamal a little bit more in a couple in a couple seconds because someone has asked me what my hot take concern was, and I'm going to talk more about Jamal Murray then, but I thought Jamal Murray played bad. Um, and when is Will Barton good or bad for this team? Will Barton is good for this team. I understand that people don't like his play style. I understand that people need to find a scapegoat. I understand that there's always a player who gets the brunt of the unnecessary crap um, when it comes to just every team has one of them when it comes to the internet. I don't understand why, why, why Will Barton became that guy. He is arguably the emotional heartbeat of this Denver Nuggets team. He has been one of the best leaders on this team. He has spent the most time with Michael Porter Jr. and then Torrey Craig last year, to or two years ago, to help get them caught up to speed, despite the fact that those are two players who are taking minutes from him. And he has been one, of, and he was one of the first players alongside Gary Harris to develop the relationship with Nikola Jokic that allows them to grow in the way they have. I'm... I know people are going to be frustrated with Will Barton, but I think Will Barton does more good for this team than he does bad so long as he is healthy. So in my opinion, as I have stated for a long time, I think Will Barton is very good for this team. Jeff Cummings asks, what is your hot take concern? My hot take concern is that Jamal Murray does not understand the ways that he needs to improve or has not actually taken the time to improve in those ways. It's weird. It gets to the point where... Michael Malone will preach defense and consistency and all of these things about Jamal Murray and what he wants him to do. And I'll always remember the last preseason game of this season. Jamal Murray had four points, but I thought he was great as a defender. He had six assists, no turnovers. His selection of shots, despite the fact that he only had four of them, they were the right shots he was taking. And I thought, I was like, this this was the kind of game that you want to see. Yes, he only had four points, but it's a meaningless preseason game in which he played one half. But you saw the important development in other aspects of his game so Michael Malone says he liked what Jamal Murray did 
all the media seems to like what Jamal Murray did. When we go talk to Jamal Murray, he was like, why do you guys think I played well? I only had four points. His, I, I, I feel like there is some kind of disconnect from Jamal Murray's view of what he needs to do and what the Nuggets think he needs to do. And I don't think it's Michael Malone's fault. I don't think it's Jamal Murray's fault. I think that Jamal Murray has always been a player who goes out there and plays a certain way, and it's very difficult for a young player... My coffee maker always goes off when I'm doing my podcast. I'm sorry. Um, Jamal Murray is the kind of player who has always operated in this way and has always thrived because of it. To work at changing the way you play is an extremely difficult thing to do. So it's completely expected that it's taking time, but I my hot take is that Jamal Murray does not seem to fully grasp exactly the correct ways to improve his game to make the Nuggets better, not just Jamal Murray better. And again, Jamal Murray is not selfish. He is not lazy. He is not any of those things, but that does not mean that his perspective could not be redirected into the correct avenue of being able to improve in the right ways. So that's how I feel about Jamal Murray, and that really is my hot take from this game. Let's get these last two questions from Darren F24 out of the way. Um, Why did Jamal Murray disappear offensively? I Okay, here's another take I have. Without Nikola Jokic, what does Jamal Murray look like as a player? If you just took Trey Young and Jamal Murray and swapped them, how good is Jamal Murray really without Nikola Jokic? And this isn't to say Jamal Murray is a bad player, but Jamal Murray has looked significantly more natural as a point guard because Nikola Jokic, the the greatest passing big man of all time, is on his team. When all of a sudden Jamal Murray has to run the team by himself and he doesn't have another player who can handle the ball next to him, he becomes much less impactful of a player offensively. And that's kind of what I saw in this game. Gary Harris was not able to help. Will Barton was only was more of an off-ball player in that first stint. And because of that, Jamal Murray found himself struggling quite a bit with the ball in his hands. And that's why he had a couple turnovers. That's why he was taking some bad shots. And that is something that worries me. Again, he's not a point guard to me. I know that he has played point guard for the Canadian national team. I know he's growing, but... You can't just hand him the ball and say, go run an offense. He, he can't do that consistently at this point in time, which is why I think that Monte Morris is so important, and it's why I think Will Barton is so important. Being able to let Jamal Murray play off ball at any given point with the starters because Will Barton is on the floor is so helpful to him, and when he's not, it really takes away from what makes Jamal Murray great. Uh, last question, also from Darren F24, is why does why does Nikola Jokic insist on passing when he is close to the basket and appears to have a high percentage shot because the Nuggets shot 18 of 36 from three last night. That's fucking why. I honestly like this is how Nikola Jokic thinks three is bigger than two. Why would I shoot when I can let you shoot and you're a better three point shooter than me? It's it's really that simple. It's instincts. I love how Matt Moore phrases this. He's a bird. Nikola Jokic's instinct is to fly south in the winter. Nikola Jokic's instinct is to kick the ball to an open three-point shooter regardless of how good his own shot is. It is an instinct, and he will always do it, and this is who Nikola Jokic is. So that's how I feel about it. But we'll have to wait and see if maybe he gets a little bit more assertive. There are moments where he has to be more assertive, but Nikola Jokic is going to make the right play every single time. That is what makes him so great. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. It has been so much fun. And thank you to everybody who has been jumping into Apple Podcasts and leaving reviews and leaving five-star ratings. I've been seeing them grow over the past couple weeks. And it means a lot to me that people are going out there and putting their own name on the line for what I am trying to build. So please continue leaving those five-star reviews. Continue leaving me an actual written review in the actual podcast app. Make sure to keep sharing this podcast on social media. Thank you guys so much for listening to as much as you have been. It means the world to me that I've been able to connect with Nuggets fans and listeners of my podcast alike to be able to grow this to where it is now. So we will be back tomorrow night on Friday night to be able to talk about the Nuggets first home opener of the regular season and really get into some more Nuggets basketball. Until then, we will talk to you guys later. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seam retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.